0: Revelation chapter 22, and I'd like to read verses 6, 7, 8, and 9 for tonight. Revelation chapter 22, verse 6. And he said unto me, These sayings are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show unto his servants the things which must shortly be done. Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. And I, John, saw these things and heard them. And when I had heard and seen them, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel, which showed me these things. Then saith he unto me, See thou, do it not. For I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren the prophets... And of them which keep the sayings of this book, worship God. I'd like to stop there for our reading tonight and spend some time on these four verses. Quickly going through the last three verses that we read and then spending some time on verse 6. It was interesting in reading this this past week and in particularly this afternoon. Because if we're not careful... We forget who is speaking and who the he is. I had to ask the question, who is the he in this passage of Scripture? We, uh, we have to be careful. We need an antecedent. And I, I wish I'd paid more attention to my English teacher, Mrs. Fox. She was from Mississippi. She'd been out of Mississippi for about 40 years, and she still spoke with a southern accent. She liked it, and she is going to keep it. But she did her dead-level best to teach us grammar, and I wish I'd have paid more attention to it. But I do know this. An antecedent, antecedent in grammar is the word or phrase or clause to which a pronoun refers. And in this scripture reading, we have several times mentioned the word he, which is a pronoun. Now, it's going to be incumbent upon us to find out who this he is. We know this about this he, he's not the Lord, because John bowed down and worshipped him when he saw his glory, and he was told by this angel, don't do it. I'm a fellow servant like you. I'm a prophet like you. And we worship God. So let's just back up here a little bit and... It shares with us in chapter 21 and verse 9. Chapter 21 and verse 9. This is mentioned And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven last seven vials full of the seven last plagues, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, and I'll show thee the bride, the lamb's wife. Now, I believe I'm correct as I follow this through that this is the he that he is referring to. Now we find in chapters one, two and three or two and three particularly that there were seven angels and they are the pastors of the seven churches of Asia. And it appears that from God's side, these angels have a great glorious appearance a gospel preacher from God's side has a glorious appearance. And that was such an appearance that John was taken back. Now, the reason I bring that antecedent phrase up is it is important and great mistakes have been made and can be made if we don't know who is speaking. And the first thing that we might say is, well, this is the Lord is speaking about here. Well, the Lord never commanded anybody not to worship him. And this angel commanded John not to worship him. So he has been a man and he is in his glorified state and in his glorified state. Now, whether this is the glorified state, God looking at man in today, glorified state being he is whole, he is without blame, he is without uh, without sin. God looks at his people with a different view than he did before they are regenerated. But he does look at them from eternity as they are eternally justified before the Lord. He has a view about them. Now, one of the great statements made about a, a, a saint in the Old Testament and then brought to the New Testament is in the Old Testament, Abraham, it's mentioned at least twice that he lied about the relationship that he had with his wife. And when we come to the New Testament, that is never brought up. That is under the blood. So God looks at us clean and clear under the blood. He doesn't look at us in our sinful state. So the Lord uh, may give us a view here of how he views this angel, this preacher, one of the seven preachers of the churches of Asia. From his viewpoint, he is glorious. From his viewpoint, he is glorified. Uh, Glorification is not just for a future. It is now. We are presently glorified in the Lord Jesus, and God looks at us that way. So there's some things about that that we'll look at. Now, one of the great places in the Bible, and I just want to bring this up, one of the places in the Bible where people fail to go back to the antecedent and make, they can make really, has been made, really gross interpretation is found in the book of Daniel chapter 9. Won't you turn over there with me, and I just want to look at a couple of things here, and then we're going to go on with our lesson here in the book of Revelation. But finding who is the pronoun is speaking about is very invaluable. It's important to us. Trace it back to the scriptures. Now... You are familiar with the young boy that's been here for the last couple weeks. So if I told you he is as smart as a whip, you would say, well, you're talking about your grandson, aren't you? Now, to a stranger, if I use that term, he is as smart as a whip. The first thing they're going to ask me is, who are you talking about? So we can't use the word he unless people understand who we're talking about. And then we can use the pronoun he. In the book of Daniel, chapter 9, verse 20, it says, And whilst I was speaking, this is Daniel, whilst I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people, Israel, and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God, Yea, whilst I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, touched me upon the time of the evening oblation, about the time of the evening oblation. And he informed me and talked with me and said, O Daniel, I am now come forth to give thee skill and understanding. At the beginning of thy supplications, the commandment came forth, and I am come to show thee, for thou art greatly beloved. Therefore, understand the matter and consider the vision." Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon the holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sin and to make reconciliation for iniquity and bring in everlasting righteousness and seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. Now that's some wonderful things mentioned in there that we appreciate. God took care of some things at the cross. Goes on to say, Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem until the Messiah the Prince shall be seventy weeks and threescore and two weeks, and the street will be built again and the wall, even in troublous times. Now, I don't pretend to understand all about this. Don't get me wrong. But I do know this the next verse. And after threescore and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince shall come and shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. Now the the word prince has given people a real problem because they immediately say that this prince is the man of sin that we find in the New Testament. Now I don't understand all I know about the man of sin, but I know that this prince is not talking about the man of sin. Where is the antecedent that talks about the man of sin here? There's only one other place that this could go back. If we go back to the verse uh, 25, we find the Messiah, the Prince. Now, does your Bible have it translated with a capital P? If you drop down to verse 26, it's exactly the same word in the original language. Why did they not translate it with a capital P? Because it didn't meet their theology. Do yourself a favor. Put a capital P there. That is speaking about the same person that's mentioned in verse 25, Messiah the Prince. We have no trouble with that. He is a prince. He's the Messiah. And the people of the prince are the people that God used, the Lord Jesus used to come up against Jerusalem. It was his divine order that Jerusalem be destroyed. So that's the same word. Put capital P there and you don't have any problem with it. Find out who the antecedent is. You will not find that Prince is referring to the man of sin because he's not mentioned in this whole chapter. He's not mentioned in this book like we find him in the New Testament. So that I just want to take you back there, show you the value of looking at the antecedent, finding out who's being spoken about. And here it's about Christ. And it goes on to tell us what he's going to do. Uh, Verse 27, and he, the Prince... Messiah, the Prince shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. And in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and oblation to cease. Who did that? Jesus Christ, with his crucifixion, caused all the sacrifices to cease. He never recognized another one. And for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate, until, even until the consummation that is determined shall be poured out upon the desolate. Now, I don't know all that means, but I know who it's talking about. It's talking about the Lord of glory doing His uh, redemptive work, His work of the covenant, and He has told us some things about it that we may not understand. But that's not the first thing that we don't understand about redemption. That's just one of those minor things. (laughs) All right. Now let's go back over here to the book of Revelation again. Chapter 22. The antecedent here appears to be one of the angels... One of the seven angels and this angel has a capacity granted to him by God to see some things and point them out to John. Now that's one of the things that God's preachers are called to do point some things out about God. That's their commission over in the book of Nehemiah. There's a passage of scripture that is uh, uh, mentions three things that Nehemiah was supposed to do when he was reading the scriptures. Keep your finger here in the book of Revelation 22 and go back to the book of Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 8. There are three things here that a gospel preacher needs to do with the word. It is not his business to manipulate it. It's not his business to interpret it. It's his business to go and find out what it says, read it with clarity, best they can do, Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 8, it says here, so they read in the book, in the law of God distinctly. It's it's important that it be read distinctly. Nehemiah 8.8. And gave the sense. Now, I appreciated Brother Marvin when he was here. He says, I don't know what this word means, so I look it up. That's important. That's valuable. What does the word mean? What does it mean in the original? And it changed over time. So let's go back to what it meant when it was given and find out what that has to say to us. So so first thing, read it distinctly and give the sense and cause them to understand the reading. Now, uh, Brother Marvin and I were talking about this, and I've talked to it about Brother Rupert. Everybody including a four- or five-year-old child should be able to understand the message from an English standpoint. Now, we may not understand it from a spiritual standpoint, but we should be able to understand it. We don't have to use lofty words. We may read the scripture, and as he did, he said, this is what that word means. So that's that's what is required. That's what was required here. That's been required. Now, over here in the book of Revelation, this angel, one of the seven angels that had the seven plagues, was given a commission by God to share with John what the church looks like from God's standpoint. And that's what we spend our time on in chapter 21 and the beginning of chapter 22. We see the church from God's standpoint. And when we look at the church from God's standpoint, we are looking at a perfect creation. And that's what this angel declared. We're looking at a a creation that was redeemed by the Lord. And that's what this angel declared. We're talking about a God that lives on high and is on his throne. And that's what this angel talked about. Follow the message of this angel, this minister through. And you'll find that there is not one time that he ever gave God a black eye. He always spoke of him. As he is, because he was giving the message that the Lord had given him. He always put men in their position and always under redemption says, this is what they look like from God's standpoint. The church is glorious. The church is dressed in purity, in holiness. This is God's standpoint. And we can declare that today. The church from God's standpoint, from a redemptive work is pure and holy and clean because when he said his redemptive work was finished, it was finished and there was nothing left for man to do. The only thing that God requires of his people is believe him. Trust Him, And the Holy Spirit gives us that ability to do that very thing, to trust God, to believe God, to look at his word and say, I don't know what this means, but I believe it. It is God's word and he will carry it out just like he wants it fulfilled. Here in this passage of scripture, we find that he speaks about in uh, Revelation chapter 22 and verse six. And he said unto me, these sayings are faithful and true. Everything I've shared with you. Why? Where did he get it? Where did he get his message? Where did he get his view of the church? Where did he get his view of Christ? Where did he get his view of God? He got it from God. And when we get our message from God, we can say, this is faithful and true. I'm giving you the truth about this. You may not believe it, but I'm giving you the truth about this. Now, I believe it was A.W. Pink that said, the truth is not hard to find. It's hard to face. That's our problem as human beings. We have trouble facing the truth. The truth is here. The Lord Jesus Christ is God. That's the truth. We may have trouble facing it. God sits on his throne and is sovereign. That's the truth. We may have trouble facing it. All of these things. Man is totally depraved. That is the truth. But we may have trouble facing it. And on and on it goes. We may the truth is delivered to us. We may have trouble facing it. And here this servant of the Lord shared with John and said, these sayings are faithful and true. Everything I've shared with you in the last two chapters or chapter and a half. Now, it wasn't divided in chapters at that time. It was a book that was delivered or a letter that was delivered unto seven churches, and in this he said, Everything I have shared with you is the truth, and it is faithfully given to you as the Lord gave it to me. Of the holy prophets sent his angel to show his servants the things which must shortly be done. God has some holy prophets. Now, today, most of the time when we hear the word prophet, we think about someone who's going to tell us something about the future. That has been contrived. (coughs) A prophet is someone who shares or gives forth the truth, declares the truth. That's a prophet. It's, it's, it means one who speaks forth. That's the base word. Now, when we get our religion involved in it, we're going to come up with all kinds of ideas of what a prophet is. But by and large, most prophets did not tell what was in the future they told what was happening now and the holy spirit shares with us how that applies to us today the prophets that were given they were not pro- their intent was and god's commission to them was not to foretell the future very few times do we find that But most of the time, this is what's happening right now. And this is what I said would happen. And this is what I said would happen if that happened. And on and on it goes. So a prophet is someone who tells forth the truth. Someone who shares the truth. Would you turn with me as we think about this to the book of Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. And we find here a passage of scripture that shares with us how God has spoke to his people in times past. Now, we still hear the voice of God through his prophets when we read them. But we look at that as, what can I find about Christ here? What is the message that the Holy Spirit wants me to have from Christ here? To just have a historical event and have a historical lesson, we're going to go away dry. But I want to find out what the Spirit has to say about Christ here so I can go away refreshed. I don't want to go away from church feeling worse than I came. I want to go away from church feeling better than I came. That's the way it is. Now, everyone that's born again, when we hear the gospel of God's grace, we're going to go away better than we came. And those who do not know the grace of God, that the same message is the message that God is going to use to convert them. So we don't have to have a special message for an evangelistic service. Preach the gospel. It's the same thing that feeds the sheep. It's the same thing that brings in the lost sheep. That is what we find in the Bible. They didn't have several styles of messages. Well, we're going to have a doctrinal message, and we're going to have an evangelistic message, and we're going to have a... Preach Christ. That's what the Bible says. We preach Christ and Him crucified. And that was the message of Paul. And that is... Why the church at Corinth and Galatia and all those other churches got off track is because they failed to see that. Christ and Him crucified. Hebrews chapter 1. God who at sundry times and diverse manners spake in time past unto our fathers by the prophets. Now, I want to note this. God spoke through His prophets. That's what it's telling me. The Old Testament is God speaking through His prophets. Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. David himself said that he was this given this message by the Holy Spirit. It wasn't the Psalms were not something he created. The Holy Spirit gave him the Psalms. All right. Now in verse two, God who spoke in back times. Through the prophets hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son, whom he hath appointed, heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. Now, since God gave the message to the prophets, and God sent his prophet, God told Moses, I'm going to send a prophet, capital P, whom you will hear. Now, Jesus came as that prophet. Now, was the message of the, of the prophets in the Old Testament, since God gave them the message, that's what it says, was the message of the prophets and the message of the prophet different? No. Say message. The prophets were given their message by God. And the prophet came from God with the message. The message of redemption. It's going to be by Christ alone or it won't happen. That's what the prophet said. That's what Christ says. All right. And then if you turn with me to the book of Luke chapter one, as we think about God and his prophets, those who spoke forth the word of truth. Isaiah was threatened, in fact, in prison several times. So was Jeremiah. So are many of the other prophets in the Old Testament because they told the truth and people have problems facing the truth, especially when it hits them. Those Pharisees one time says they got really upset because they perceived he spoke of them. Boy, hit him like a ton of bricks right between the eyes. They perceived, now it didn't change him. They got really mad at him, but they perceived in a parable they, that he spoke of them and how big a critters they were, how terrible they were. All right. Luke chapter 1. We have here a statement made in in, uh, in Luke chapter 1 and there in verse 67. Luke chapter 1 verse 67. It tells us here that uh, Zacharias, now he makes uh, a statement here about the prophets. And I want to read this. Luke chapter 1 verse 67. It says here, And his father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, and prophesied, saying... Now, this is John's dad. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed... That's an important word. Hath visited and redeemed his people. Now, if there's anything we get out of redemption... Oh, Lord, help us to realize that he's a redeemer that actually redeemed his people. He didn't make a way open for redemption and hopes that we'll get in there. He redeemed his people. Uh, A stubborn, oh, a stubborn, stubborn mew left to himself would destroy himself. Thank God there's some people that know how to control him and put him where they can't hurt themselves. Well, I said that to say this. Thank God. God works on his people. Because the Bible says they are like a wild donkey's colt by nature. And he has to come in and break them. Or they'll kill themselves. And go to perdition. He breaks them. Just like he did that colt just prior to the Passover. Never been ridden. Underline that. He came, sat on it, and that colt didn't even crowfoot And that's what he does with his people. Now, here's what he's doing. He's redeemed his people. He hath raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. David, his son, is here, going to be here. Jesus Christ, his name. As he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began... Well, I have to assume that Adam was used to do some of that. I have to assume that Abel was used to do some of that. From the very beginning, the message was given. And that message has always been the same, has not changed over time. It doesn't have to be updated. We don't have a committee that come along and say, we need to update the message to make it more more appealing. The message has truly, to the lost, never been appealing, but to the saved, it's always been appealing. Redemption is a real appealing doctrine. It is appealing to our soul to be redeemed, to be brought out of slavery, to be taken out of sin, to be taken out of the jailhouse of sin and brought out and made clean and white and pure before God. I don't know about you, but I can just relish in that. I delight in that message. That's the message of redemption. And the holy prophets have been doing that. What's it say there? Verse 70, as he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us. Now, Zacharias is not just talking about his nation of Israel. He's talking about the church here. The Holy Spirit never gave anybody the message that this message is only to Israel. That was the problem that uh, Nicodemus had. And that's why we have John 3.16. For God so loved the world. Nicodemus, let me tell you something. This salvation is not just for Israel. This salvation is for all my lost sheep through the world over. You know that just kind of boinked Nicodemus right in the face. Because he believed... As so many did. Paul believed the same thing. Saul of Tarsus. Only the Jews are going to be saved. And the rest, they're just rags. And yet, this salvation is to all God's people shall be saved from our enemies, from the hand of all them that hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers, and to remember his holy covenant. That's what these prophets were declaring throughout the Old Testament. Zacharias is used by the Holy Spirit to pick it up. We have a record of what he had to say, and God gave him this message to say, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers, and to remember his holy covenant. The oath which he swore to our father Abraham... What was he? Abraham believed God and was counted unto him for righteousness. Abraham looked for a city whose builder and maker was god that 's what he had, and this is what goes on, and that 's what the Old Testament holy prophets spoke about. Turn with me, if you would to Acts chapter three, as we think about these prophets, and that 's what that angel was. He was a prophet. He declared what God had given to him. He's one of the seven angels. He was one of them that came down. And we know that he had some characteristics that were just like John because he said, I'm just like you. Don't worship me. That's a big, uh, that's a statement to preachers, isn't it? (laughs) Don't worship me, worship him. I like John's attitude about this. He pointed his disciples to the Lord Jesus Christ and said, He must increase and I must decrease. And that was what happened. All right. Here in the book of Acts chapter 3, verse 12, we read these words about God's holy prophets. That prophet, that angel, that minister gave us all that message about the church. Why? Because God gave it to him. The church is holy and without blame before him in love. The church is made whole and complete. The church is hid in Christ, is glorious. That's what we find in his description. And the reason for it is because he is holy, and he is glorious, and he is great, and he is sovereign. He takes care of all the problems of the church and gives us such a beautiful description there of how God views the church. Acts chapter 3 verse 12 and when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, Ye men of Israel, why marvel you at this? Or why look ye so earnestly on us, as though by our own power or holiness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, and of Isaac, and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified his Son, whom he delivered up, and denied him in the presence of Pilate, when he was determined to let him go. But ye denied the Holy One, and just, and desired a murder to be granted unto you, and killed the Prince of Life, whom God had raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. And his name through faith in his name hath made this man strong, whom ye see and know ye, yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness and presence in you all. And now, brethren, I want that you through ignorance ye did it, as did also your rulers. But those things which God before had showed by the mouth of all his prophets, that Jesus should suffer, he hath so fulfilled. All his holy prophets. All his holy prophets declared what Jesus Christ was going to do, and They also declared the outcome of what he did. His church will be glorious. It will be without spot or wrinkle. It will not have any imperfections at all. It will not be, as preachers declare, you will have to answer for your sins. Now, God's people, God's people stand before God clean and without sin, And they will not have one sin to answer for. Because I'll tell you, if you have one, if you have one sin to answer for that Jesus Christ didn't pay for, or you have to take care of, then that's enough to send us to an everlasting hell. And since he took care of it all, though, and said it's finished and redemption is over, Though we have this wrestling match every day, looking from God's side, boy, given the opportunity, they'd bow down and worship at our feet. But he says, restrain, refrain, I'm just like you. All right. Uh, The book of Romans, chapter 1. Would you turn there with me? Romans, chapter 1. His holy prophets. That's what this angel was. He's a man. Now, from John's standpoint, man, he looked great. He looked he looked holy. Well, he is. He looked clean, and he is. You can't, you can't describe him badly. And that's how God looks at his people. God cannot describe them badly because if he did, he's describing his son. And he will not describe his son badly. He will describe him with the dearest of terms. And since the church is in Christ, he describes them with the dearest of terms. All right. Romans chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. Notice verse 2. Which he had promised afore by his prophets "...in the Holy Scriptures concerning His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord." That's what they wrote about, and that's what they preached. What was it? "...which He promised afore by His prophets in the Holy Scriptures... "...concerning His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David... "...according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power... "...according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead." That's what the prophets said. That's what Jesus Christ did. Those men in the Old Testament, holy men of God, spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. They had the message of God. They preached the message of God. And the message was this. Jesus Christ is the Redeemer, the Messiah. They may have used the word Messiah. They may have used, uh, that's uh, anointed. That's the same as Christ, Messiah. In the Old Testament, He's our Messiah. He's our Christ. He is the one who laid down His life, a ransom for us. He's declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the Spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead, by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for His name, among whom are ye also the called of Jesus Christ, And so the apostles and prophets throughout the Old Testament and those who came to the New Testament, the Bible tells us that the prophets were until John. The law and the prophets were until John. John was the last Old Testament prophet. From then on, it's apostles. What did they have? Same message. Because they didn't have any of the writings that we call the New Testament at the time Jesus sent them out to preach. They didn't have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They didn't have Acts, Romans, or Corinthians. They didn't have any of the New Testament. They preached the message from the Old Testament. That's why it's so valuable when we see Philip going up there, and that man's reading out of the book of Isaiah. He says he began at the same place and preached unto him Jesus. Why? Because that's who it's about. That's what the holy prophets had. So this, this person that we've run into here in the book of, of uh, uh, Revelation, he's the he that's been pulled through to show John. Let me show you the church, he said. Let me show you New Jerusalem. Let me show you that city. John went over there. My goodness, his eyes got this big as he saw it coming down from heaven. And in the glory that it was in the first time, John was able to see the church that he was in from God's standpoint for the first time. And we get to see that as we read down through there. It will not be the. We're struck by it. We're awestruck by it. But when we're in its presence, when we're in the presence of the Lord, that will be awestruck. That would be awestruck. All right. Turn with me, if you would, a couple of verses I'd like to read here. First uh, Peter chapter one, this prophet in the book of Revelation chapter 22, just a preacher. He was a preacher, one of the seven churches of Asia. Pastors use as an example, all of them that knew the grace of God would say the same thing. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 10, we read these words about these prophets. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 10. Of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. Prophesied of the grace. That's what these preachers preached about, the grace of God. Searching water, what manner of time the spirit of Christ which was in them did signify the spirit of Christ which was in them. The Old Testament prophets prophesied, preached of grace, and it tells us that the spirit of Christ which was in them did signify then it when it testified before, beforehand of the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. What does what, what it say? It said, the Spirit of God that was inside of them said, this is what I want you to preach, and this is what it's about. This is about Christ. This is a, testified beforehand of the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow unto whom it was revealed. That not unto themselves, but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire desire to look into. This is the same message that's being preached unto you. Wow. And verse 21 of that same chapter, it says... You no... Know, Oh, 2 Peter, excuse me, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man. You know, if it came by the will of man, it'd have all the frailties too, all the imperfections, all the depravity. And uh, it would be what men want the Bible to say. Uh, We're okay, you're Okay. Uh, you know, God's really a nice person, and that's what it would say. But it doesn't say that. God is on His throne. He rules and reigns. He does according to His will and His purpose. But holy men of God spake as they were moved. Prophecy came not of old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And then in chapter 3 of this second Peter, chapter 3, verse 1, the second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. That's what we do every service. Lord, stir up my... Give me a remembrance, I, I forget a lot. I forget a lot. These saints did. We just do. We Oh, keep it in front of me. Just keep it in front of me. Remind me all the time. In, in way of remembrance that ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. There's going to be people that make fun of the message. That's just the way it is. Don't be disheartened. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the waters and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. Oh, we have a rainbow now to remind us of that. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store. "...reserved unto fire against the day of judgment, and perdition unto ungodly men. But, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. And the Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance." But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, by the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, and the earth also, and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God? Wherein the heavens, being on fire, shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat." Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heaven and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look so for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless in Christ. That's the only place. Now, all these things are God said going to happen, but don't lose heart. We look for a new heaven and a new earth. wherein are righteous. We're not looking. I'm not looking for the, that. I'm looking for Christ to come again. There's a big difference between looking for Christ coming the second time and looking for the second coming of Christ. Christ is first in the first bit sentence. Looking for Christ coming the second time. Not with lots of predictions but just looking for him. And he's holding the only reason, the only thing that prevents him from coming last minute is that the last sheep is not in the fold. That's the only thing that prevents his coming. It is He's not waiting on for some red heifer. He's not waiting for some building to be built. He's not waiting for America to get worse. He's not waiting for the world to get better. He's not, the last sheep is an inn. And that's what the holy prophets have always preached. Israel, all Israel will be saved. Not the nation. Because not all Israel is of Israel. But spiritual Israel. And they're all saved. Like a thief in the night. That, uh, that he said, this is a faithful and true. The saints are faithful and true. The Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show unto his servants the things which must shortly be done. And then Jesus said, behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the saying to the prophecy of this book. What is that? It's just, I hate to use the word simply. It is looking at this book as the revelation of Jesus Christ. That is what it is. And then uh, John saw these things and heard them. And when he had heard them, he said, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel, which showed me these things. And he said unto me, See thou do it not. For I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren the prophets, and of them which keep the sayings of this book, worship God. All right.